Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Tonight at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is. It's Taco Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of the Points in the Pain podcast presented by Stadium. In Zach Badger House. And Zach, we have a guest on this week's episode, the one and only Stadium's Amina Smith. Oh yeah, and I am excited and pleased to have had her on and people are going to enjoy her thoughts and insight on the current NBA bubble. Yeah, she was very fun and, and a big lover of the Miami Heat, so... If uh, if you're not a fan of the Miami Heat, maybe after the interview you'll uh, you'll turn the tides. Drink the Kool Aid, as she said. <laughs> Drink the Kool Aid, as she said. Yeah. <laughs> be a fan of the Miami Heat. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at Points Paint. Uh, you can get uh, our episodes everywhere from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, where we're everywhere that you get your podcasts. And we've uh, this is the third week in a row we've done our weekly podcast because the NBA's back. It's rolling. There's been some surprises. So uh, let's start with that. Let's start with the surprises that are going on in the bubble uh, for the first part of the big three. The big three. And honestly, Zach, I think the biggest surprise that we both had on our show list is the Phoenix Suns. Five and oh. Phoenix Suns. Started five and Absolutely. See, now they play today as we are recording. They play the Thunder, and DeAndre Ayton was just ruled out because he missed his testing window yesterday to test for COVID, so they have to sit him out. So it's possible they are five and one when this comes out on Tuesday, or they're six and oh. Either way, it's a start that no one expected them to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you got to think, you know, coming into this, they were probably, what, 11th, maybe the 12th seed out of the 12 teams that were invited to come to the bubble in the West. And so yeah. you, now you sit here, what, they're 5-0, and spurting their what? They're right there with the Spurs. And I believe they even have a slight advantage over the Spurs with the slight higher winning percentage as well. So, you know, all five teams, they do play today. And the Blazers... They're right there in that ninth spot, and the Phoenix Suns are right there trying to get that play-in game. And that's going to be vital for the rest of the week is to really see who's going to be in that ninth spot to really get that play-in game versus Memphis. Yeah, the Suns, I mean, it's just been impressive the way the Suns have been playing. They look like a completely different team. They they look like the team that took the most advantage of having four months off. And either all of them improved their games, the chemistry improved, but you really just can't say enough about Devin Booker. The guy has been just playing off the walls amazing during his time in the bubble. He's he's mostly scoring over 30 points a game in almost every game he's been doing. He hit a game winner against the Clippers, and he's shooting lights out. He's, he's making shots from every spot on the court. And people, you know, people were realizing last year that he was a special player and he was a scorer, but because he was on such a bad team, he didn't really have that winning tag put on him that he was a winner. But now that we've seen what he can do, even through only five games, people are starting to realize that he may be more than just special because now he's actually starting to win games. And it's time to put the Phoenix Suns on national television. It It is is time. There's no more Zion. The the Pelicans are eliminated from the playoffs, and we'll get into that. So it's it's about all time we see Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Ricky Rubio and all those other boys, the dancing Cameron Payne. He's out there hitting, hitting good shots, making shots. Javon Carter out of West Virginia. He was huge in their last game that they played, which put them over the top to make them five and zero. And so they got different guys coming in and stepping up 
for the Phoenix Suns outside of, you know, the, their two main guys, obviously, with Devin Booker and um, DeAndre Ayton. But you got to also consider there's Kelly Umbre as well. He's going to go out there. He's going to ball. And they just need more consistency moving forward, you know, outside of this season. So even, even if they don't make the postseason and don't get that ninth spot for that playing game, they have momentum in the next season to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, that that team, I mean, you looked at it last year and you're like, yeah, they're built kind of weird. But adding Rubio was great. Cam Johnson's been great. Kelly Oubre has developed really well. DeAndre yeah. Ayton, of course, is developing. And you got Booker at the top in terms of scoring. But, I mean, we asked Amina this in the interview about some of one of her biggest surprises or what she's been surprised about. And if I had to answer that question, I, I would be amazed at what the hell Cameron Payne has been doing because that guy <laughs> has had a full resurgence. What? I, I got to watch him firsthand when he was playing on the Bulls, and he barely looked like a G League player. I mean, he was horrible. <laughs> and he has now looked like just an incredible scorer on Phoenix. He's hitting three-point shots. He's scoring efficiently. He's not making dumb mistakes. And I, honestly, like his resurgence, I guess, if you want to call it that, has been a pretty big reason the Suns have been winning these games. Yeah, definitely him. And like I said, Javon Carter in his last outing, he definitely showed his ability to shoot and make the basketball as well. And like you mentioned, too, I like how you mentioned uh, what was the guy you just mentioned that I didn't mention? Cam Johnson. He's the rookie for the Phoenix Suns with uh, 100 threes. That's a rookie record for the Phoenix Suns right now. And so, yeah, he's been rolling, shooting the outside shot. For the Suns, and that's something that you want to see. You want to see other guys be able to make shots for the Phoenix Suns outside of Devin Booker, because we know as these last three games close out here, he's going to see a lot more attention because he's been playing very well. So it's up to those guys that we mentioned, the Cameron Payne's, the Javon Carter's, the Kelly Umbrays, to also step up and be a part of that surges offensively with uh, DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker once Aiden is able to come back from this quarantine situation. Yeah. So even if they lose against the Thunder today, which it's I'm kind of excited for this game because the Thunder don't have many of their bigger players. They don't have Shea Gildas yep. Alexander, Steven Adams, Nerlens Noel. They're all going to be sitting out. So it's certainly possible for the Suns to win even without DeAndre Ayton. And even if they don't five and one in the bubble, there is a bright future now in Phoenix. They have even through six games, they have realized that there is really good potential. They are one of those good young teams now that are maybe a piece or two away from being a playoff contender and a playoff powerhouse within the next five years. And that's something that you love to see, right? And then like you got DeAndre Aiden, who missed 25 games. You know, that was yeah. that was very huge on their season, right? Impact their season their season tremendously. But I will say this, luckily, they don't have this thing right now with injuries. And that leads to the next topic, you know, more injuries in the bubble we've seen as of late, right? We have. We've seen, sadly, uh, listen, I don't want to say sadly a lot of injuries because I did expect a lot more injuries than what we have seen. Yeah, we kind of did, yeah. But the injuries obviously have affected a good amount of people. Ben Simmons, the most recent one who has had to leave the bubble getting surgery, he's going to be done. We still haven't seen Rondo. Jaron Jackson is out, and that completely hurts Memphis more than anyone could probably say just how important he is to that Grizzlies team. Uh, Sabonis hurt for the Pacers, and I mean, it's looking like DJ Warren's kind of filling that spot, but that's still a big loss for the Pacers. AD has been in and out, and Bede has been in and out. So we've seen injuries here and there. We have not really nearly, we have not seen nearly enough as I thought there would be, but we have definitely seen injuries, and it'll be interesting to see as they play more and more games going forward if it affects some of these other teams. Yeah, and we even asked Amina about that, too, with uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's just so odd for me. It's like, okay, Rondo's out. And you can see the impact on some of these teams as more games, like, start to get played or have been played. Lakers, they really need Rondo. They need someone to orchestrate the offense. It can't just solely be on LeBron and Anthony Davis. Ben Simmons, you saw, I saw in this last game against the Sixers, they really need someone to be able to facilitate the ball and handle the ball as well. We obviously don't get no shooting from Ben Simmons as far as the 76ers go, so we don't even worry or even bother with that, obviously. Jaron Jackson, like you said, being out for Memphis is was major because after that they were they had a hard time winning games. I think they only won one game after his injury, and so like that was major. Watching the Orlando Magic and seeing that Aaron Gordon was out with the hamstring injury, and then also uh, Jonathan Isaac obviously tore his ACL last week. So that's gonna hurt them even more come postseason time. I mean, no one probably gave them a really fair shot in the first round, but even then, you know, 
without those guys, they don't really have absolutely no chance really to really compete with uh, whoever they run into, whether it be seventh or the eighth spot out in the east, whether it be the Milwaukee Bucks or whoever's in second. Then you got Sabonis, right? Sabonis out. And that's tough because uh, they really need him. Like, despite what T.J. Warren has been doing, we obviously had him for stat of the week last week, and he's been phenomenal, over 30 points a game. But they're going to need Sabonis come playoff time because you want that depth and you want that talent, you know? Yeah, and listen, I think the injuries are going to continue to be a problem for some of these teams, but I think the thing that people even need to worry about more are something that we saw with, you know, Aiton with it, with a player missing a test and having to miss a game or a player having to leave the bubble for a family issue or, you know, a medical issue and having to leave the bubble have to come back and either quarantine or miss a couple games. That seems to be more of a pressing issue come playoff time if that were to happen. Yeah, and that's what's tough, and too, honestly. It is. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, this is, you know, breaking DeAndre Ayton news from our own Sham Sharani. He actually just tweeted. He said DeAndre Ayton has been cleared and is now en route to join the Suns. So apparently they cleared him. So DeAndre Ayton is playing for the Suns. And if he plays, he's going to be missing at least the first quarter of the game as the game is currently underway. So that's kind of odd and kind of strange, but uh, it all works out. But see, you got that news and I got Giannis not playing today as he's getting uh, surgery on his tooth. He's getting his tooth fixed and getting he's getting it repaired. So, yeah, a few Ooh. guys out. Yeah. You guys Do they out. have dentists in the in the bubble? Did he have to, does he have to leave to go to the dentist? He doesn't necessarily have to leave to uh, – that's so crazy you ask that. But that's actually a, a good question to ask. No, he doesn't necessarily have to leave the bubble to get his tooth repaired, but he is getting it uh, repaired at the NBA bubble. That's really interesting. Yeah, it says Giannis is out because of oral surgery. That's, well, it might as well now, but the, other than, you know, playoff time, I guess, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and then like. Let's see. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And then the East, we currently we got the East all locked up. It's clinched. It looks like everybody's going to be. All squared away. Wizards aren't going to make it. They're eliminated from the playoff contention, obviously. And then they haven't won a game in the bubble. So it just makes you wonder, like, should the Washington Wizards even had showed up once they realized Bradley Beal wasn't coming? You know, their reigning star. They need they need to get some of the young guys some play. They I, Listen, I, I hand it to the Wizards for actually coming out and trying to do stuff, trying to get their younger <laughs> guys involved. We've seen Thomas Bryant play really well. We've seen Rui Hachimura get you know, kind of important minutes for him to play. So I, I, I appreciate that they came to play and that they give teams, you know, a quarter of competitive basketball. That's a all they quarter, need. like literally. And then it's just, it's good to see, I guess, moving forward, you know, a guy like Rui Hashimura get that experience. And I also thought he could have been, he could have been a finalist. This might sound crazy to you. I feel like Rui Hashimura should have been the third guy as the finalist over Zion. Now, I think you know why I'm saying that. It's not mm-hmm. it has it has nothing to do with like talent in terms of play or anything like that. The best ability is availability. <laughs> and Zion wasn't available until 2020. <laughs> and Rui had played all season up to this point. So I feel like, okay, yeah, Zion did come into the NBA after after so long of being out, getting 24 points a game, breaking these rookie records set by Shaquille O'Neal, you know, the whole nine. But he still had only played, like, at the most, what, this year, 22, 20, 22 to 24 games all together? That's not enough to consider, to be considered as a as a uh, finalist for, for an award. That's not enough amount of games. I mean, they even, yeah, I look at it from this perspective, too. When Michael Brogdon won Rookie of the Year over over who who won who was who did he win it over I think he won it over not Ben Simmons uh, whoever Michael Brogdon won the award over he simply won the award because he had played the most out of everyone out of all of his peers and so right. if you so if you play all these games you have enough resume and a track record to be able to be up for these awards and I feel like Zion didn't play enough games but I guess that small sample size was enough. That's, you know, I I think the hype of Zion can cloud people's judgment, I think, in in a way. So I do think that that, you know, wasn't was an issue for people. But looking up that rookie of the year in, in 20, Malcolm Brogdon won it. Dario Saric was number two. And talk about missing games. You know who's number three? Joel Embiid. Exactly. That was the player I, I couldn't think of, which sucks. 
for me. But yeah, Embiid was definitely the guy who had the numbers, but just didn't play the amount enough amount of games. You know who else was on this list? And this is this is called a transition. Jamal Murray. <laughs> Jamal Murray was fifth on rookie of the year in 2017, and Jamal Murray just came back for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, he and was out, and he's looking good. I like how he looks too. He's definitely had a double double in that outing against the Utah Jazz. And did you watch that game? That was a tough battle. That was a tough battle between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. And it showed you that they, down the stretch, it showed you that the Denver Nuggets definitely miss Jamal Murray. His ability to facilitate and knock down shots late in games, they definitely are going to need that come postseason, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, he had some acrobatic layups. And they, it's, the thing is, is like they, the Nuggets have been just kind of treading water with the injuries that they've had in the bubble so far. So, they need Jamal Murray back. They need Will Barton back. They need Gary Harris back. You know, they, they have these are very important role players that if the Nuggets want to make any type of noise in the playoffs, they need these guys back. And so for now, without Jamal and Harris and Will Barton, they've kind of just been holding water, plateauing. Jokic has been doing all that he can. They've been trying to play bowl bowl. So they've been shredding water here and there, and, and hopefully they get these guys back because the Nuggets can be an incredibly dangerous team, and I, I would say they're probably a top-three team in the West if they have everyone healthy. If they have everyone healthy, they definitely are dangerous, especially when you got a rookie like Michael Porter Jr. that can just come out and, and just looks like he can get a bucket in this bubble situation. It's just like all these different players – in the bubble are just be are just surprising all all the NBA fans right now. I mean, you got TJ Warren, you got a guy like uh, you got a guy like Porzingis who's been able to even step up, you know, for the Dallas Mavericks. All these different players, you got all these insane numbers happening, right? They got all these different numbers. Damian Lillard, you know, he's playing phenomenal. All these different players, Carmelo, he looks he looks good. We got Slim Melo, right? So it's just it's just been great to see. You got the Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray. He's back. That's promising for the Nuggets because they need that perimeter. They need that perimeter edge offensively and defensively because he's a pretty solid defender in terms of guarding, you know, smaller guards because he's a bigger guard as a uh, as a one. So, you know, it looks good in the future. It does look bright as we head into the postseason bubble for the Nuggets. Yeah, and it seems like these guys aren't too far away from being back. Um, they may, they, they probably will come back for the playoffs, but you'd want them to come back maybe a game or two before so they can get their legs under them and don't just come back from injuries starting in the playoffs. But I don't, I just don't know what the plan for the Nuggets are. I, I hope they come back because the Nuggets are a very fun team when they're fully healthy. And especially now that Michael Porter Jr., as you said, has come into his own and he is scoring over 20 points a game and he's rebounding really well and he's kind of fully forming into the type of player that they hoped he would be. It's going to be a dangerous team if they're fully healthy come the playoff time. Definitely uh, loaded. We'll go to the second of our big three. The big three. And we'll just stay with the Western Conference because, Zach, that eight seed is looking real tight. There's a little bit of a traffic <laughs> jam going on at the end of the at the uh, tail end of the Western Conference. Definitely a little close, a little closer than probably Memphis would have liked coming into the going into the bubble. They probably wanted to just flat out secure the eight seed and not have to worry about a playing game or anything like that. However, <laughs> that is not the case. The Memphis Grizzlies have lost majority of their games in the bubble. And we're sitting at a point where they can't even clinch the eighth spot. They have to automatically have the play in game with the ninth seed who's high and likely will not be the Pelicans because they are eliminated. The Sacramento Kings have officially been eliminated as well. So those teams will not be competing for that ninth spot. And so what you have is a three-team race for that ninth spot. You got the San Antonio Spurs, the Phoenix Suns, and the Portland Trailblazers. Big Portland Trailblazer fans on this podcast. You see Damian Lillard playing phenomenal. They had a game last week that we talked about where I said the Denver Nuggets – had to lose that game versus Portland, and Damian Lillard came out and had a great game, and they won that game. But the following game, they ended up losing, and we're going to talk about that later in the pod. But I like my chances with them all of a sudden over the Memphis Grizzlies. I know my overreaction in the last pod was Memphis actually keeping that eighth spot and going to the playoffs. I'm not too sure now that Jaren Jackson's no. out. He's yeah. out now. So I'm not too sure, Ben. 
I was thinking the exact same thing, especially after the Jaron Jackson news, which came out like 48 hours after our podcast dropped. And it's like this Jaron Jackson is such a big part of that team in terms of three point shooting and rebounding and just how they run their offense that they are a completely different team without him. And my, we both said we were pretty confident Memphis would hold on to that a spot. And we've done a complete 180 on that. It's just they I don't feel confident in them anymore at all. I, I think that eighth and ninth spot is wide open for the taking between three or four different teams. And in, and like for Memphis, it's just too much weight on John Morant's shoulders too early in his career, obviously. Right. He's a rookie trying to go to the playoffs his first year. Eight seed, lost my second best player on the team. Now I'm stuck in a situation trying to win ball games. And it's tough. You know, it's the West. It's a tough, it's a tough spot, and you know there's something that he's going to be able to learn for it, uh, learn from it. John Morant and the Blazers, they've took full advantage. They're fully healthy now, right? You got Zach Collins, you got uh, Nurkic, and Nurkic is playing flat out phenomenal, double double machine, standing up for his guys postseason. You got Gary Trent Jr. shooting the lights out in the bubble, shooting well over 50% from downtown, well over playing phenomenal, knocking down shots late for the Blazers, getting them right in position. So, like I said, those Blazers, they look real hot right now. Obviously, we got the Phoenix Suns. They're knocking on the door for that ninth spot, too. And San Antonio, you can never count out Greg Popovich, right? We've talked about it constantly. And listen, the Spurs have looked like a fun, energetic, fast-paced team without LaMarcus Aldridge. They're they're like a completely different team without LaMarcus in the middle. They're, they're a smaller lineup. They move quicker. The pace is better. They shoot more threes. They're more spread out. And that's not to say that having LaMarcus would hurt them, but the way they're playing now has really been good. It's been beneficial, and they were not favored against the Pelicans, and they beat them outright. You know, they were they were getting four points in the spread, and they were able to beat the Pelicans while being the underdog. So this is... This is a Spurs team that I think can be dangerous if if they do really perfect that small ball kind of fast paced lineup that we're really not used to from the Spurs, but they seem to be adjusting to it a little bit better. Yeah, they're definitely getting up and down in the bubble, which is like you said is unusual with they when they usually got LA in the game. But I like what Deontay Murray's done and Lonnie Walker. You know, they're pushing the tempo. They are. They're definitely pushing the tempo for the San Antonio Spurs. And then you obviously got DeMar DeRozan to have core offensive ability to get his own shot, specifically in the mid-range game. And then you got Rudy Gay coming off the bench and giving you that spark and that lift from an offensive perspective. So, yeah, the Spurs are running and gunning and they're looking, they're looking good. You know, they're not a too, they're not too old of a team, not too young of a team. So they're right there, right in the middle. And they're ready to fight for that spot. And I'm like I said, I'm never counting out Popovich. He had a run with 22 plus, you know, playoff appearances in a row. So I'm never counting out Popovich. No, not at all. It's going to be a very fun fight for that eighth spot, um, especially if the Grizzlies keep on losing and the Suns keep on winning. You know, if all these teams keep on winning right now, as of this recording, there are four teams within a game and a half of that eighth spot. So it's it's real tight right now. And and obviously the Suns are playing right now against the Thunder. Um, and there's going to be some things that change up uh, by the time this podcast comes out, but it's still going to be really close between four teams, which is going to be very fun because I, I would love to see a Blazers Lakers first round. That would yeah. be incredibly fun. I think that would be the most fun first round matchup. Definitely be a, a first round matchup. That's not going to be a sweep. I'm, yes. I'm pretty confident that Damian Lillard can squeeze one or two games out of the LA Lakers. If they run into each other in the postseason for that, for that first round matchup. I'm pretty certain. Like, I'm almost for sure, especially with Carmelo Anthony being on the floor. Carmelo Anthony on the same floor as LeBron James in the postseason. That's something that everyone has been dying to see. Yeah. So that's going to be very huge. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, All right. Should we go to our third of the big three, which is what, Zach? Third of the big three. Amina Smith. Joining us for the third part of the Big Three, Stadium's very own, and we're very excited to have her on the podcast, Miss Amina Smith. It's a pleasure to have you on Points in the Paint podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much. I feel like I needed to have like my sound effects ready for that intro. That was like a pretty big intro for me. I like it. <laughs> we're just, well, I'm just excited and we're both excited to have you on. I mean, first thing I really want to ask is how's quarantine really been for you 
basically like personally and professionally? Man, quarantine, you know, in the beginning it was a little hard because, you know, you're home for a while and you just really have no idea what to do. But um, once I kind of got in the rhythm of everything in terms of like my workflow, working from home, doing shows from home, I've been doing pretty good. The one thing I will say is that I think people don't realize how tough it is to actually do, you know, a full show from your living room. Like you're trying to figure <laughs> out, like, you're like, okay, I don't want anyone to see like my dog is like in the back, like laid up, you know, I got socks everywhere, you know, I'm trying to like clean stuff up, trying to get my kitchen out of the shot. So that's probably like the hardest thing and also navigating traffic in my house. So making sure like my fiance is in like walk, like walking through like, you know, shots when we're doing like, you know, stuff for campus insiders. I'm like, hey, like I need you to be quiet. Like don't walk through. This is like a live TV zone. So I turned our living room to into a studio. So that's uh that's how I've been adjusting to quarantine and doing shows from home. I saw that uh, Felder's garage is kind of like his studio. <laughs> Yeah, Felder has the garage set up for when we do the podcast. And then I know that when we do Campus Insiders, his like he has a TV that actually has, um, I guess he was able to pull up the graphic and everything, which I think is pretty fancy because I don't have that. I'm like, dang, like I want to get the graphic, like the stadium graphic in my background, but <laughs> my TV is not going to turn where I have in my living room. So it's not going to work. But Felder, of course, has like the A1 setup for TV. And then we get for the podcast, we get the garage. So... <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk some basketball. The first thing I wanted to ask is really how this whole interview kind of got started with, you know, your Twitter comments about the Miami Heat. And so I wanted to I wanted to ask you, how far do you truly believe the Miami Heat will go come postseason? You know what? Okay, so if you would have asked me that question like two weeks ago, I would have said, you know, I don't know. I feel like Miami might get to the second round, maybe. But then, you know, I don't know if you guys, people might not know who are listening. I went to school in Miami. Um, My fiance is from Miami. I have a lot of family down in Miami. And I'm not going to lie, guys. I started drinking the Kool-Aid, okay? Like, I think it's because, you know, I'm listening to family and friends, and they're like, you know, you don't know. Like, this team is really deep. They've got really great young players. And I'm like, yeah, like, I know this is a young, like, talented, scrappy team, but I just don't think, you know, they'll go that far. And then, you know, I started digging a little bit, doing, you know, inside the association for stadium, and I'm like, you know – the Miami Heat, they've been the biggest surprise for me. Like, I, I haven't really watched them that much this season, but watching them in the bubble, I started to think to myself, you know what? This is a team that could go a lot further than a lot of people think. You know, of course, obviously, like, the Bucks are way out in front. But, you know, the, what I point to is during the regular season where, you know, you have the Miami Heat playing the Bucks. And they were 2-0 against them during the regular season. Now, obviously, last week the Bucks beat the Miami Heat, but – I will say that was without Jimmy Butler. So, you know, you you don't have, like, you know, some of your star players on the floor, and then it's just like, uh, I don't know. They were giving them a good run for their money up until the second half, until the Bucks outscored them. It was like 74 to 43. But for a team that didn't have, I think, Drogic also wasn't on the floor, Jimmy Butler not on the floor, and those guys still giving the number one team in the East a run for their money, I think that's something serious to consider as we get into the postseason. All right, so the Miami Heat have been your biggest surprise. And we've seen teams now like the Bucks lose some close games that maybe they shouldn't have. We've seen the Jazz struggle a little bit as well. Have there been any teams that you have been somewhat disappointed in or teams that you don't think have lived up to the hype that they were at before the uh, before everything shut down because of the pandemic? I think maybe a team that I'm a little disappointed in, probably Philadelphia, you know, I, I feel like they had such high expectations coming into this season. And me and Sham Sharania, we've talked about this on ITA several times. And he was really high on the 76ers as well coming into this season. I just feel like they remind me a little bit of, like, when I talk about college football, I talk about Georgia in this way. It's just like, you know, they have these high expectations. And then when it's time for them to get into the college football playoff, it's like, oh, man, I just missed it. You know? And I, I don't know. For some reason, I kind of feel that way about the Philadelphia 76ers. And I just... I expected them to play at a higher level, especially coming back from, you know, last year's playoffs and getting so close to winning the East, obviously, you know, the Raptors, you know, killing those dreams right there. But, um, but yeah, like I, I had so much high expectations for the Sixers and I just feel like they're not meeting them this season. Speaking of expectations with the Philadelphia 76ers, 
my question to you is, how how do you feel about Brett Brown still having that job? Uh, you know, it's it's look. <laughs> I know Philly fans are just not the easiest people to please. Like I, you know, it's a tough job to have. I feel like they have the right pieces there in Philadelphia, but I just feel like for some reason it's not coming together the way you know he would really want it to come together. And I feel like, you know, everybody kind of has this mentality, this microwave mentality when it comes to, you know, doing well and winning championships. Let's not forget, you know, they came close to getting the Eastern Conference final title just last season. So, I mean, of course, like, it's not exactly where they want to be, but it's definitely not the worst position to be in, I would say. But I'm always looking at the silver linings. I'm always like, I'm really putting, I'm, I'm like the optimistic. Yeah, I'm like the optimistic <laughs> fan, you know, even though like a girl like me coming from New York City where everyone gives like, you know, the Knicks a bunch of crap. I'm always just like, you know, but they're still next year. That's me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I don't know how much time he does have in Philadelphia, but um, I think that, Sooner rather than later, there are going to have to be real results that come out of Philadelphia in order for him to keep that job. Okay, so with Simmons' injury, how confident should I be with the Bucks winning the East? Ooh, I would be confident in the Bucks winning the East, knowing that the Sixers they probably will not be as much of a contender as we think they are. But for me, and I've said this, I guess when we were talking on Twitter. I don't know. I feel like if the Heat and the Bucks they meet in the playoffs, I think that the Heat might be able to knock them out. I'm not looking. Like, I'm telling you guys, wow. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, y'all. I'm really drinking the Kool-Aid here. But think about it. I mean, when you take a look at this Miami Heat team, and we saw it in this past game that they played last week against the Bucks. You know, they were down Jimmy Butler and Drogic, right? But they led most of that game until that second half. And then you saw the Milwaukee Bucks kind of turn it on. They're outscoring them 74 to 43. But then you saw that Miami, they made a lot of mistakes in terms of being in foul trouble. They had 12 turnovers in that second half. I mean, if you eliminate those mistakes and you get your star players back in that lineup, back on the court, Jimmy Butler back on the court, I think it's a real possibility that we could see the Miami Heat beat out the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, so you mentioned Jimmy Butler. You mentioned some of these stars in the Heat, but I want to know what your thoughts are on the uh, dun- the number one Duncan Robinson, the guy who shoots the three-pointers for the Heat. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on him? How, how important do you think he is for this team? <laughs> <laughs> I think Duncan Robinson, I think he's he's really important for this team. Um, I think he's still young when you talk about, you know, this organization and him playing in the NBA. I think he still has definitely room to grow, and we see that when we watch him on the court. But we also see him step up when he needs to step up on the court. I mean, of course, if you're a Heat fan, you're going to be high on Duncan Robinson, you know, because the potential is there. But I think for me, I trust more so the player development when it comes to the Miami Heat. You know, we're talking about Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and those guys, and they know how to develop players down in Miami. You have a lot of young players on that roster that we're seeing shine. We see Bam Adebayo right now having one of the best seasons that he's had or the best season that he's had in the NBA. So obviously they know what to do with players to get them to that level for them to perform in an elite way. So I feel like there's still room to grow for Duncan Robinson. And I think there should be a lot of excitement in Miami when it comes to his potential. So in a second, we're going to get your rapid fire thoughts on some of these year end awards, you know, MVP defensive player of the year. And one of those awards Mm -hmm. coach of the year, um, the list is Budenholzer, Billy Donovan, Nick nurse. And one of the guys that we noticed was not on that list is Lakers head coach, Frank Vogel. Um, So we wanted to know, do you think Vogel deserves a shot at the head coach or to be coach of the year because the Lakers are number one in the West? Or as I was telling Zach last night, a team with LeBron, LeBron's really the head coach of that team. (laughs) I mean, Frank Vogel obviously is the head coach when you look at it on paper, when you look at it on salary and all that. But if LeBron James is on your team. I'm going to tell you something right now. LeBron is riding the ship. He is the captain. He is looking at him like, I'm the captain now, okay? (laughs) That's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, no disrespect to Frank Vogel, great coach, but, I mean, LeBron James is 
in my mind, head coach, GM, he might even be helping with the team ownership. I mean, like LeBron <laughs> is riding the ship over there in LA for sure. Speaking of another uh, award that may go out, is most improved. Now, Ben believed that Jason Tatum should have been on that list. And then also, Luca came out and said he shouldn't have been on the list and that Devontae Graham should have been on the uh, list for finalists for most improved. So how do you feel about that? I'm pretty confident knowing who you think is going to win that. We're going to get to that later. But right. I was, I was, uh, Luca, Bam, and uh, Brandon Ingram, who do you think who you think should have been left off if Jason Tatum should have been on it? Uh, definitely Luca should have been left off of that. Okay. I mean, I don't even I, – I feel like most improved award, you know, like we were talking about Luka Doncic – last season as you know again having the potential to be one of the best players in the league so you know we've seen obviously glimpse of him and his star potential on the court i just don't feel like that's the right category for luca if that makes sense i mean luca's been playing this game since he was what 15 16 overseas and then you know comes to the nba and it's almost like he's a seasoned player because he's been playing this game professionally. Like, let's not forget that. He's not playing A. You yeah, don't you hate when they say 21? Like, when they yeah, say he's 21? Like, exactly. Like, he's not, you know, he wasn't playing, like, AAU or, like, some youth league overseas. Like, he was playing against grown men, you know? So for him to come over here and then I, I get I get it, you know, why he might be in that most improved player category he wouldn't be my pick to be in that category, but um, definitely the name that I would take out. So taking a step back and kind of looking at the broader picture of everything, we saw the NHL announced today they had no new coronavirus cases in their bubble, and the NBA has had no cases in their bubble. Is this? Are you surprised that the NBA has had no cases, or is this something coming in you thought this probably could work, and it has worked? I felt like I was 50-50 coming into the bubble because I didn't, at first I didn't realize how much on lockdown that they would be on. And now that, you know, we've, you know, gone through the bubble, we've been seeing these games and you really quite understand that it's almost like Fort Knox. Like you have to get permission to leave and then <laughs> if you leave and come back. You have to quarantine. Like it's something serious. So I think the bubble is working really well, way better than I initially thought that it was going to work. I think this is like the third round of COVID tests that they've had, you know, negative results, which is amazing, which is great. And they're doing the best job when it comes to just the bottom line when we talk about bringing sports back is keeping the players and staff members and coaches safe. You know, at the end of the day, obviously we want to see all of these games and we want to see the playoffs and we want to see a team get crowned, you know, uh, NBA finals champion. But, you know, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that these players are safe while they're trying to do their jobs. And I think that the NBA did an amazing job, despite what people say about the food in the bubble and the living <laughs> conditions. Okay, it's not that bad living at Disney World. I will say that. It could be worse. But I think the NBA did an amazing job and just really exceeded my expectations. And we've only had one player go out to the strip club. So that's, yes, honestly, yeah, that's one, good numbers for the one. NBA. <laughs> <laughs> at least he came back in quarantine, you know? So. Exactly. No harm, no foul. Gotta grab those links. <laughs> so, on a, so on a lighter note, uh, what do you think about the clapback of Damian Lillard post game versus the Clippers? First of all, <laughs> let me tell you something. If there's one thing people should know about Dame Lillard, do not come for Dame Lillard. Do mm. not. <laughs> it's just it's like Dame Lillard is just one of those players that you know he can talk trash, but Dame Lillard backs it up. Like, he backs it up on the court. And, like, when I saw the back-and-forth exchange between, you know, Paul George, Pat Beverly, and uh, Damian Lillard on uh, Instagram in the comments, and Dame Lillard is like, you know, I sent, you know, Pat Beverly back home in 2014, and PG-13, I sent you back home just last – I mean, and we all know that meme from last last year's playoffs, that lives forever. So I know that hurt Paul George when he said <laughs> That's something that is just immortalized. Like, it will live forever. But – my big thing is, like, you can't try Dame Lillard. And one thing that Damian Lillard said that I think was, you know, a really great point is that the fact that they're excited that he missed those crucial shots shows how great of a player he really is because he's expected to make those shots. So when he doesn't make those shots, which is very few and far between, it's an anomaly, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. those are moments where people are like, yes, like, oh, my God, because they were counting on him making it. Let's be honest. 
they were counting on him making those shots. <laughs> like, I even went back and watched that playoff between, you know, the Blazers and OKC last year uh, during the playoffs. And I just watched, just, just kind of to be back in the moment and to watch Dame and then Paul George guarding him. And he was just calm. Like, like the game wasn't about to end. Like, it wasn't like a finish <laughs> moment. Like, he was cooling. Like, he was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to just slow it down real quick. Boom. Game winner. 37 feet. That's a so-called killer right there. <laughs> yeah, we're big, big, uh, big Dame Time fans on this podcast. Yes. Definitely big Dame Time fans. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's go to the uh, let's go to the year-end awards. We'll, we could do this rapid fire. Um, we'll start with MVP. We got Giannis, Harden, LeBron. Who, who's your MVP pick? I'm going to go Giannis here. I feel like Giannis is going to be the pick because we've talked about this on ITA before. You know, last year when he won MVP, he talked about the fact that he felt that he could be even better this year. And he is better this year, which is completely insane to wrap your mind around. <laughs> if you can, if you're Giannis Antetokounmpo and you're, you know, the player that you were last season that everybody went crazy over and then you come back this year and you're even better. I mean, give him the MVP. Why not? <laughs> All right, we'll do, uh, let's see, rookie of the year. We got John Morant, Kendrick Nunn, Zion Williamson. I'm going John Morant. He's like literally the most exciting rookie for me to watch whenever I turn on an NBA game. I mean, it's just the way he plays, it just, for some reason, you know what, it, it reminds me a little bit of like the swag of like Allen Iverson. I know he gets a lot of like Russell Westbrook comparisons, but like for some reason that swag that he plays with, that energy that he plays with, it reminds me so much of AI. And it's so exciting to watch him on the floor. I mean, much love to all the other guys that are in this category. I mean, the, like we all thought Zion Williamson would be the NBA Rookie of the Year, but he missed obviously most of the season, most of the regular season. But um, but yeah, I'm going I'm going John Morant here, no question. Okay, so Defensive Player of the Year, we got Giannis again, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert. Who do you have? I think Anthony Davis is going to come out with it. Anthony Davis, I feel like any anything that is going to be attached to, in this case, for this category, attached to LeBron and the Lakers and what they've been able to do this season, I think that Anthony Davis being a part of that one-two punch duo, one of the best duos in the NBA, obviously right now, I think he walks away with the uh, Defensive Player of the Year award. All right, sixth wow. man of the year, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, and Drake's favorite, Lou Will. <laughs> How many times has Lou Will won this award? Like, is he like not allowed to win it anymore? Like, <laughs> it's been it's been so many times. I feel like because I like I look at the list and I'm just like Lou Will. Of course, I think six minutes of the year. I'm like Lou Will. You got Lou to Will, yeah. I, I'm gonna go Lou Will here. I I don't know how many times you can win the award. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, maybe he'll give it to Montrez Harrell just because he's missed so many times. Yeah, I really <laughs> hope he gives it to Harrell. <laughs> yeah, but I'll I'll go with Lou Will here. Most improved. Now, this is the one that might get spicy. No, no, guys. You, you know where I'm going with this. Come on. Bam my bio for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Go. Like, we talk about a player that's improved so much on the court. I mean, it has to be. It has to be Bam Adebayo, the way you watch him and you see him produce and really kind of help this Miami Heat team become a playoff. Really, like, I didn't think Miami was going to be as good of a team as they were this season or that, as that they are this season. And I think uh, Bam has really contributed to that, and I'm going to give him most improved player. All right, final. Oh, go ahead. So if you see Brandon Ingram win, how are you going to feel about that? (laughs) I don't know if I'll be too upset about it, but like I said, maybe because I've been drinking the Miami Heat (laughs) Kool-Aid, I might be a little biased. So I'm going to give it to Bam, hoping that he wins it. If not, you know, all right, we'll give it to Brandon. But uh, Luca definitely should not be in that category. I'm not even, I'm not even looking at Luca's name here. Not even looking at it. You get a good little tweet storm going if that happens. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Coach of the year, final one, Budenholzer for the Bucks, Billy Donovan or Nick Nurse. Hmm. You know what? I really it's want. It, it is tough. It is really tough because, like, you think Billy Donovan and I think OKC they haven't won a playoff series since 2014, right? And I think that that's a hump I would like them to get over. 
before Billy Donovan maybe wins that award, I'll go oh, Mike Budenholzer. Damn. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go Mike Budenholzer. I was really hoping you were gonna say Billy Donovan. I really was. I'm just sorry, the, but you know what? I, I feel like you gotta get over that hump because then it's just like, you know, they like the fans want more, and I feel like, and I've I've talked to you know insiders for the Pacers, and obviously like Billy Donovan has done a great job with the Pacers, but I mean Billy Donovan has done a great job with Oklahoma City, but you know, you want. Oh no, wait. I'm thinking about the Pacers. I'm tripping. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. But I'll still, I'm still picking Mike Booneholzer though. Either way, either okay. way, it was the Pacers that haven't won a playoff series since 2014. There you go. But, um, but, but either way, I'm, I'm gonna pick Mike Booneholzer here. If the Heat do something in the playoffs and make a run, I may have to drink that Kool-Aid with you and get on the Eric Spolstra. Coach of the train, coach of the year. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, look, I mean, and my thing with with the Miami Heat, though, also, and this is a point that I've brought up, is obviously player development, but you have a team that has championship DNA. You know, like this is a front yeah. office and a coaching staff, like they know how to win championships. They've been there before. They know how to develop their players, and we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. And so, you know, I feel like it was only a matter of time before Miami kind of reached that level again but even you've heard players come out and say it, and they're just like it's just different when you're in Miami and you're playing for Eric Spolstra and you're on this team like it is a winning mentality like it's a different mentality when you play for the Miami Heat and these are guys who have played on different teams as well so I think that's a huge factor and like I said we could be surprised a little bit down the road We'll see. It's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a fun playoffs. Um, but Amina, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you so much for joining us. We we really do appreciate having you. Um, tell people where where people can find you, your podcast, everything like that, Twitter. Yes, so you can find the Trash and Treasure podcast on all stadium platforms. You can follow us at TTAF Pod on Twitter, and you can follow me at Amina JTV on Instagram and on Twitter. All right, great. It was a great interview with her. We we love talking to her. Yeah, it was great. You know, she has some valid points, especially with uh, with Miami. She's very big on Miami, so when Love you get a, the heat. so when you get a chance to hear that, it's gonna be phenomenal. But what's NBA Twitter talking about this week, Ben? What it do, baby? Yeah. All right, NBA Twitter. What are they talking about this week? There's been so much going on, and well, let's start with the Clippers and the Blazers because that's the drama. That's the NBA drama. Everybody loves loves the juicy drama. Loves the juicy <laughs> drama, and things are getting spicy, as you put. This is definitely you wrote this because I would have used the word spicy, but you, you wrote things are getting spicy between the Clippers and the Blazers. Getting real spicy, man. Uh, Clippers they come out, you know, without a. Who didn't play in that game? So there was no Kawhi Leonard. There was no Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly's on the bench, sitting next to Marcus Morris. And they're sitting there as Damian Lillard goes to the free throw line and knock down two free throws. Damian Lillard misses one. Oh, man, they're getting excited on that bench. <laughs> they're getting excited. Pat Bevs, he's, he's, he's down there on the court, Ben. He's practically on the court as he misses the first one. Then Damian Lillard misses the second one. And, oh, man, they're super excited. They're ecstatic now. So they win the game and post-game. Damian Lillard has something to say about it. He said, oh, them getting excited, you know, over me missing two free throws shows the amount of respect that they have for me because they know that I've, you know, sent them home before. You know, I've sent Pat Bell home. I've sent Paul George home as early as last year. (laughs) So it's just a sign of respect. And then Ben. They had some nerve to really try to clap back at Damian Lillard. They did, on social media. On social media at that. Talking about, Paul Paul George is talking about Damian Lillard's going to get sent home, and Cancun on three is coming from Pat Beverly, and Damian Lillard's like, hold up. You guys are the ones always switching teams, running from the grind. In reality, you guys are the chumps, you know? So it was was pretty spicy. It got a little heated, got intense. Listen, that's a great use of the word spicy. It was absolutely (laughs) spicy. It was great. You see these guys yelling at each other on social media. You saw it in real life, and then you see it go boil over onto Instagram, and that was tremendous. I thought that was hilarious. Cancun on three is an incredible (laughs) comeback by Pat Bev. That is unbelievably spicy. I love that. And then for Damian Lillard to even come back on Instagram and say, oh, you guys just keep switching teams, another great comeback. You know, it's just – 
great <laughs> comebacks all around. I love this, and I really that's another big reason I hope the Blazers get into the playoffs because that would mean at least a tiny chance that we see Blazers Clippers in the playoffs. And God, that would be the best series. Oh yeah, that's gonna be the best opening round series out of each series. I would say out of all the playoff uh, matchups, I would say come playoff time, definitely. There'll and be so then much you talk. Then you got Draymond Green on TNT. <laughs> You're about to get fine. <laughs> yep. Just being an idiot. Normal Draymond stuff. Dude, I'm just like, Day-Day, you can't say that. Like, you're a current player <laughs> right now. Currently, you're a current player in the NBA. It's some things you just cannot say. Yeah. Regardless if the Golden State Warriors are currently in the bubble or not. Obviously, they're not. You can't say those things. And so, Mr. Yep. Draymond Green got fined $50,000 for tampering. What did he say, Ben? So he was on TNT and he was talking with uh, with Chuck and he was talking with Ernie Johnson and he he said straight up he said Devin Booker you need to leave Phoenix my boy needs to get out of Phoenix I think <laughs> is the exact words that he said he just straight up to the cameras to millions of people watching at home he said Devin Booker needs to leave Phoenix and the NBA saw that and they said you know the cameras were on right you know like we could see you and they fined him fifty thousand dollars for tampering because. They took that as, as Draymond essentially telling Recruiting. Devin Booker to leave Phoenix and come to the Warriors. And that would be already a juggernaut team within itself. Okay, so you guys are going to have Steph, Clay, Devin Booker. He's only 26 at the most. Draymond Green. Like, and then you're going to have Andrew Wiggins. Like, that's okay. You guys just didn't have enough. When you had Kevin Durant, it just wasn't enough, huh? You got to go get the younger, you know, scoring machine, Devin Booker added to the rock. Fine day day, Draymond Green, 50000 so he can keep his mouth closed and not be out here recruiting for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> guy, the guy just loves to talk. He loves to talk. That's, you know, you might not be guaranteed a good Draymond Green game. He may have a bad game, but you can always guarantee that he's going to be talking. <laughs> he always hits on that. that. That's the Draymond special. And it's just funny because he, how did he not expect that that would happen? He, he knew that had to have happened. He knew that he was talking and he was going to lose $50,000 because of it. And then, Ernie, and then Ernie said, are you are you recruiting? <laughs> yeah, he straight up said, are you tampering? He goes, tampering? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Well, you may get fined fifty k. You know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard $50,000 maybe right there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Carmelo, big Carmelo news. He's now 15th all time in scoring in the NBA. And, you know, it, it seems to me, Zach, and I've never been a huge Carmelo Anthony fan. I, I don't think mm-hmm. I've really been like, you know, a quote unquote mm-hmm. hater. I, I haven't been like a, someone who like well, you absolutely can't the on him. <laughs> yeah, but but I do think that people are starting to come around a little bit more on just how special of a player he is, or at least just how good of a scorer that he is. Listen, I'll be reading all these reports on the resurgence of Carmelo Anthony and and he's really stepping up to that role player role. I'm like, listen, first of all, Carmelo Anthony is not no role player. He never has, never will be, okay? He can be the second leading scorer on the Portland Trailblazers as they win. Oh, wait, that happened yesterday. <laughs> leading, second leading scorer for the Portland Trailblazers that they had a tight win yesterday to keep them in the hunt for that ninth seed. But that's neither here nor there. Listen. Carmelo Anthony being top 15 lets you know that he still has a lot of work cut out for him in these next few years to really crack that top 10 list as a NBA all-time scorer. I mean, he's one of the best prolific scorers we've ever seen such a basketball in the NBA. And for him to have that amount of time off that he did lets you know that he probably should have been top 15 a long time ago on that scoring list. Yeah, you're probably right. And he's I'm never going to argue how good of a scorer he is. Um, and I think he has found a really good spot in Portland, too, where he's not the number one scorer and he's usually not even the number two scorer, but he's available to be that guy. If Dame is having a bad game or Dame is attracting all the defenders or CJ can't hit his three point shot, they have that safety valve with Carmelo, who is always going to be able to give you that mid range jumper, who's always going to be able to give you that space to maneuver for some of these scores to maybe get their groove back or for him to even put the team on his back and go off for 20, 25 points. Exactly. And then watching him late in games, you know, he has the ability to catch and shoot, knock down shots. He's done that time and time again in the bubble too. Like just late in games, you see him making shots for the Portland Trailblazers and it gives them the confidence that they need going into this 
eighth, ninth uh, playoff scenario, and even going into potential postseason, knowing that a guy like Carmel Anthony is going to be able to step up and knock the big shots when you need them, if it's not going to come from, what time is it? Dame time. So, you know, Carmelo Anthony, like, I just have to tip my hat for him being 15th all time with plenty more scoring to do. All right. The other thing Twitter is going to be talking about, especially tonight as we record on Monday night. So this game will be done by the time the podcast comes out. But Heat Pacers are going up against each other. And we all know that Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren have a history with each other. And TJ is playing his butt off in the bubble. He's gotten career high 53 points. He's been going off in, in every game that he has played, essentially. So if that is the case, even even if one of the two don't play, um, depending on what the what the injury reports say in this game, if these two teams meet up in the playoffs, it is going to be, as you would say, spicy. Listen, they go fight. <laughs> no, they, they may will. not yes. fight, but it'll definitely be some joins, some technical fouls, some some double techs. You know, it's all that's definitely going to take place. It may even take place in their matchup uh, this week. You know, it really may take place sooner rather than later. And so when you look at that, T.J. Warren out here dropping 30s, playing phenomenal. Jimmy's been, you know, in and out for Miami, didn't play the last game. And, you know, we're hoping he played tonight. We're really hoping he plays, you know, against the uh, Pacers. Like, that's what we really want to see. You know, he has a lot of words to say, a lot of lengthy words to say about uh, T.J. Warren. And I feel like ever since T.J. Warren probably saw that and heard of that, it's been a chip. It's been another added chip on his shoulder on yeah. top of being traded for cash considerations, you know. And listen, if the playoffs started today, you know who would be in a first round matchup? It would be the Heat and the Pacers. And so that would be a super fun first round matchup. Yeah, we got to keep that and hope that it stays that way, too, so it can really get heated up in the East for the playoffs come first round. We do. And you know what? Let's finish off NBA Twitter on a sadder note and mm. give a shout out mm. to our boy J.J. Redick. Playoff streak ends at 13 seasons. Former Duke guy going out. Not a great note. He didn't look very happy at the end of the New Orleans Pelicans game Sunday night, but he's been playing his butt off in the bubble. He's been a three-point scoring machine. And the fact that he had a playoff streak at 13 straight seasons was incredible. Yeah, that was phenomenal. And it's funny because, you know, we talked about it on the podcast before with J.J. Reddick uh, having this streak. He came into the season telling Lonzo Ball and those younger guys, listen, I've been to the playoffs every year of my career. Don't F this up. And sure (laughs) enough, come late. Well, I wouldn't even blame it on the players. I think it just has poor management with Zion. I think just Zion has just been managed poorly, just extremely poorly, especially in the bubble. You know what? I'm my conspiracy. I think the Pelicans didn't want to make the playoffs this year. I think David Griffin didn't want the team to make the playoffs. He didn't want to have to be forced to play Zion any more games than he needed to play this year. I think their sights are set on next year. Get Zion healthy, get the team better chemistry with Zion in the off season and get ready to go. I think Griffin put those load management numbers on Zion so he didn't have to play a ton. So the team wouldn't win. That's my conspiracy theory for the week. And I, you know what? I agree with you and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I, listen, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but you gotta you gotta connect the dots at this one. You definitely do. So, JJ, we salute you. You did a good job. Seasons. Fun to watch. Hopefully, I don't. Oh, oh, I guess he, we should have looked at his contract. Is he is he with the Pelicans next year? I believe um, so. Or at least we have a player he, option. He fits so well with that team. Is the thing is that he he fits with that team like a glove because all they need him to do is shoot three pointers. And he's not afraid to, to talk and get in players' faces. So he, he is with the team on contract next season. Um, and that'll be his last season before he's an unrestricted free agent in 2021. And he'll be 37 years old. So he'll be 36 next year on his final year with the Pelicans. So they have him for one more year. So I, I think he could still make some noise. I think the Pelicans are a playoff team if everyone's fully healthy next season. And if they're able to keep Brandon Ingram this uh, this offseason as well. I'll mention that yeah. too. Yeah, that, that's definitely important. Um, we'll go to, uh, let's go to Stat of the Week. And we have two stats of the week this week. Zach, what's the first one? Oh, yeah, I did this one just for you. This stat of the week is specifically for Ben, everyone. Like, I, you know, I, know he, I know he loves his buddy. So I just had to shout him out 
and make sure he was known for the stats that he's in the records he's broken throughout this bubble situation and over the course of the whole season, obviously. And that's your boy, Luka Doncic. Your boy, Luka? I bet people are wondering, what's 17? Well, I'll tell you what's 17. 17 is the amount of triple doubles this second-year player has throughout the course of this season. And what's notable is the one that he had for his 16th triple-double being. He has 34 points, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists. So he had a phenomenal game for the 16th. And then for the 17th, he had, even, he had another great game with 36 points, 14 rebounds, and a career-high 19 assists. And guess who they beat? The Milwaukee Bucks. I was not pleased. <laughs> it was a comeback win, too. They was... came back and win that. Man, there's just not enough I could say about Luka. But oh, I, know. <laughs> I think everything that I would want to say was encapsulated in that between-the-legs pass that he made to Clever in overtime. The absolute gall of Luka Doncic to go between-the-legs passing in the lane in overtime in a tight game. You got to respect it, Zach. You have to respect it. He yeah, is had, a phenomenal once-in-a-lifetime player. <laughs> I, had to, I definitely had to show some love. But it's like Amina said, you know, he's been playing basketball since he was 13, 14, 15 years old professionally. So, you know, he's really no young player as it relates to playing professional basketball. I just no, always have right. to remind folks that, you know. But I will say this, Ben. It's the first stat line where it was 30, 20, and 10 since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, that's saying something, right? That's saying that's, something. That's like that uh, kombucha girl meme where she's just like, mmm, look at that. <laughs> All right, what's, the, what's our second stat of the week? And I think we can both agree for our love for this guy. Second stat of the week. Remember last week, everyone, we had a 50-point game last week for stat of the week. Well, guess Good. what? The second stat of the week is for sure another 50-point game, and 51 points came from none other than Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, bouncing back after missing those two free throws against the Los Angeles Clippers, which led to what was trending on Twitter, which we talked about. That man dropped 51 points. He had 11 threes and made big shots late in the game to close the game and close the deal as they get one step closer to being in that play-in fight between the Memphis Grizzlies. Don't you love to see it? Oh, game time is the best time, Zach. It's he, He's just so fun to watch. And you knew, you knew that after the game that he had against the Clippers where he was getting hazed and harassed and people were starting to doubt him, he was going to bounce back with an extraordinary effort. 51 points is, I would say, extraordinary. And he just shows why, I mean, you just can't count him out. That's the thing. Like, if you're a better and you see the Trailblazers down, you know, five, six points in the final five, six minutes of a game, you better believe you should bet on the Blazers because Dane <laughs> Lillard in crunch time and closing time is unbelievable. And and he will more likely than not probably hit clutch shots to bring his team back. And it's not like he's ever going to be afraid to not take the shot, right? You can put the ball in Damian Lillard's hands and be confident in the results, make or miss. Like, you know, he's going to take a good shot, quality shot. You know, Paul George was sitting there last last year post game talking about that's a bad shot. Well, Nurkic mm-hmm. said, well, listen, yeah, 51 a day, and a lot of those shots probably were bad. But guess what? It's still Damian Lillard, so you got to take exactly. it for what for what it is. They had a great game, 51 points, 124, 121 over the Philadelphia 76ers. And like I said, every game that the Portland Trailblazers play, including the next three that they have, is are all going to be important every last game because they need them all to be in that fight for that ninth seed and have that that play-in game for the playoffs with the Memphis Grizzlies. So shout-out to Dame dropping the 51 points, 11 threes on the night. Just phenomenal player. And they got the dub. They did. And that's, that's the important part. You were texting me. We were texting back and forth in this game because this would be a great stat of the week. Damian Lillard, over 50 points. And what, what did I say to you? You said they had to win. You said they, they, had they to gotta win. win. <laughs> They had to win for it to be important, um, and and they won, and it was great. So, listen, Dame's been great, and and I that's again why we hope he really makes the playoffs because him against LeBron in a first round game, ooh, Zach, spicy. 
<laughs> you just keeping that one, huh? It's go. We just go keep that one. It's getting spicy. Listen, it's. I'm just gonna make it the worst thing to say now. It's just gonna be. Everyone's <laughs> gonna be like, I'm never using spicy ever again. So here's a spicy overreaction. <laughs> or no. Or no. Yeah. So the Portland Trailblazers, they get in the playing game and they win the playing game. Is that an overreaction? I mean, we've been talking hyped and hyping up the Blazers so much that I don't think it's an overreaction. They've been playing so well. Now, they do, I believe they have a difficult schedule coming up. Let me let me double check that. You know what? They may not. They, they play the Mavericks on Tuesday. The day this comes out, then they play the Nets. So there's those are two very winnable games. And they definitely obviously have to go 2-0 to, to try to get that shot. So I, I, I think it's definitely possible. I don't think it's an overreaction to say they will get in the play-in game and then win that play-in game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they definitely get the play-in game. I think they take full advantage of a team that's not fully healthy, healthy in the Memphis Grizzlies, and they win that game and they go on to the postseason. That would be great. And Dame, when he is on a mission, he's hard to stop. He, he just makes buckets. That's all he does. When, he, when his back is against the wall – Usually what happens if he does have a good enough team around him, which he does right now with Nurkic and Collins back and fully healthy, it's a, it's a dangerous team and he's a dangerous player. And we've seen that and we saw it when he scored 51 points. Exactly. And they're going to be my pick for our two picks of the week, right? So they're going to be All one right. of my picks. You know, that game that we talked about, that Dallas game, I'm taking Portland over Dallas. And if and I'm hoping I got to cross my fingers on this. Cause and this might not this might sound kind of bad as a basketball fan of and in a basketball fan of like competitiveness, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna need some of them players from the from the Dallas Mavericks to sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm gonna need Luca probably will play, but maybe Porzingis can sit this one out or maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. Like somebody in the starting lineup got to sit this one out because I need Portland to really just have this game with no late game, you know, jitters or anything like that, where I'm nervous about the Portland Trailblazers possibly losing this game to the Mavericks. So I'm taking the Blazers, but I got my fingers crossed for our two picks of the week. All right. And the second pick for that, for me on Thursday, Bucks play Memphis. And that is undoubtedly going to be an important game for Memphis and probably not a big deal for the Bucks. And we may see Giannis sitting out that one, or we may see Middleton, not playing full minutes. So I am going to go out and say Memphis beats the Bucks on that Thursday, or at least, you know, makes it a game. Makes it a they, game. I hope they make it a game, and I hope that there are players <laughs> for the Bucks sitting this one out too, just like I yeah. hope there are players sitting this one out for the Dallas Mavericks because it's only going to make those games tougher for those guys fighting for that eighth and ninth spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right on that one. And that concludes this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. Once again, we got to thank Amina Smith for joining board and joining on the Points in the Paint podcast. Remember, you can follow her on Twitter at AminaJTV. You can also follow, subscribe, rate, and review Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder. They come out every Thursday. They have a podcast this week. Tons of great content. Follow Zach Bazerhouse and Ben Winstein on Twitter, too, of course. And follow Shams, our NBA insider, for all your up-to-date NBA news, breaking news. And follow Stadium on Twitter, and you'll hear back from us next week. Peace.